Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. It's a repetition of Jesus being ultimately the place where the most pleasure is found, where the most joy is found, that knowing Jesus and him knowing you is the space where the most life is possibly experienced. Can I hear an amen this morning? This is the good life, Jesus Christ and living for him and knowing him. This is life and life more abundantly. seen what the world has to offer but God you are better nothing can compare to what you have to give nothing can compare to the gladness that you put in my heart nothing brings fulfillment like you do I like the way the old songwriter said it it said take this whole world but give me Jesus that's what I feel like you can have what the world has to offer but I want what Jesus has God bless to all of y'all. Thank you so much for being in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Go with me uh, while you're still staying in your Bibles to the book of Colossians, chapter number three. Colossians three, and we're going to read verses one through four. Amen. Amen. All right. Colossians three, starting at verse one. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. In verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Amen. And I want to just talk to us on the next little bit on this title the good life, the good life. Would you help me pray right now? I want the Lord just to have his way. Amen. Jesus, we love you this morning, God. We give you the praise. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together to be in your house. And I pray that you would anoint your word as it goes forth, God. Help our hearts to receive it, God. And we give you praise in advance. We thank you again, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. I tell Brother Rice, I almost titled it, It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> Amen. Uh, finish this sentence for me if you, if you would, and just not out loud or anything, but just in your own mind. What would you fill in the blank if the sentence was, life is blank what would you fill in the blank some of you it would be you know it could be all sorts of things and that's why I didn't have you do it out loud because there would be all of these different answers that possibly jumped out and maybe some good some bad that's kind of based off of you know what uh, your life experiences have been um you know, I hope that life has been a box of chocolates for all of you, but uh, sadly, that's not the case, is it? Um, but I was thinking about this, and you've heard me say this before, um, that, that life, sometimes we have made life a destination, and life is not a destination, but life is a journey. 
and and all of us are on this journey called life and along this journey uh, we face a, a plethora of different things uh, uh, we we face highs and we we face lows and we have we have good times and we have bad times and we have our mountaintop experiences and also we spend quite a bit of time in the valleys of life and that's that's just life and you know I was thinking about thinking about this journey about people who have been in the faith for a long long time and I was also thinking about people who were once of the faith and for some reason uh they find themselves on the outside looking in, in a, in a backslidden state. And I always wonder, you know, what, what happened? You know, I'm, I'm always curious of what the story is behind somebody who would walk away from truth, who would walk away from God. And, you know, I think why, why weren't they able to make it? Why weren't they able to sustain? Why weren't they able to still be a part of the body and and here's what I think there has to be something that sustains us all right there has to be something there that we hold on to through all of the stuff all of those things that I just mentioned that we go through highs and we go through lows and mountaintop and and valleys and we have good times and we have bad times but through all of that we have to have something that we hold on to while we go through all of those things on this journey, all right? So the question is, how do we sustain? How do we persevere in the long run? Because everybody knows it's a long run, right? All right? It, it, it's not this short little sprint, but this journey that we're on is exactly that. It's a journey. And if... If, so, so the question is, how do we sustain? How do we persevere? How do we make it to the other side? I was thinking about this. If you were to condense the teachings of Jesus uh, in, in the Gospels and kind of come up with a mission statement for Jesus' life, you know, if Jesus was running for office, what would his statement be? What would his mission statement be? I mean, let's say that Jesus was like, all right, I need a mission statement that's clear, that's concise, that drives the actions of my day. There are several that would work well, I believe. You look all throughout your Bible, you will find different mission statements. How about Luke 19 and 10? It says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. I mean, that's pretty concise. Won't you agree? That's pretty mission minded. I mean, why did Jesus come? What does it have to do with me? What's going on in the person and the work of Christ? The most famous man in history. What was he all about? Well, here's what he was all about. He came to seek and to save the lost. And so we think, all right, that will work. That will be a great mission statement. Uh, and, and here's the deal. I don't think we'll ever sit in this room where we don't actually bring that up, all right? Because that's what it's all about. That's why Jesus came. That's the reason why he came, is to seek and to save the lost. Amen. I don't think you'll ever be in here where you probably won't hear that preached, all right? That's what I'm actually doing right now. That's what I'm bringing us to right now, because that's what it's all about. 
I don't want to forget what it's all about, don't you? I don't want to forget the reason why he came. I don't want to forget that he is here for me and he's here for you and he's here for them who are outside. Amen? All right. And and so, you know, you think, why is that so important? Why is it so important to recognize that and keep Jesus at the center of it all? Because that's the will of God. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. And that should be reassuring to us today. Because if you feel lost, my friend, if you feel like you're on the outside looking in, this should be reassuring to you. If you're in here not sure which direction to turn to, can I tell you this morning that Jesus Christ is seeking Can I tell you that he is after you, that he is chasing you, that he came to seek and to save you? Another one that I think works well is John 3.17. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe you're like, well, I know John 3.16. Well, maybe we need to read a little bit after that because as great as John 3.16 is, John 3.17 is great, I believe, also. John 3.17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. All right, that works. All right, again, we're thinking mission statement, the person, the work of Jesus Christ. He has come into the world to seek and save the lost. And then another one is I haven't come to condemn the world, but rather to ransom the world. All right, that's a great mission statement. If we're trying to condense it all into what Jesus is about and what he's here for. These are all great. These are all grand. And I love every single one of them. There's another one that we're here to proclaim is that Christ has not come to condemn you. He has come to rescue you from the condemnation, uh, uh, that, that, that feeling of condemnation that is after your mind and after your spirit. I said in a Bible study just a few weeks ago and a lady brought this up, this feelings that she had that she come that come over her and she would pray to God and she would ask God to forgive her but she would still feel guilty the next day she would still feel like she's not doing something wrong and I just simply reminded her hey that's condemnation and anytime you feel condemnation that is not of God for he promised that he's not come to condemn the world but he's come that through him we might be saved can you praise God for that if you feel the spirit of condemnation if you feel that guiltiness over you it's not of God He's come to set you free from that. If you have that, I get nervous around the idea of Jesus because I just feel so condemned. That's not why he came. He actually came to rescue you from that feeling. It goes along with what Paul was saying in Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit for they are after the flesh to mind the things of the flesh but they are after the spirit the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace are you thankful for life are you thankful for peace it's found in Christ Jesus 
Some of us are looking for life and peace, and I came to tell you that it's found in Jesus Christ. You're looking to get out of that state of feeling condemned. Friend, that's why you came. He's not here to condemn you. He's here to rescue you, and I come to attack the lies of Satan himself that says that, no, you can't be saved, and no, you can't be forgiven, and no, that's a feeling that you're always going to live with. My friend, the devil is a liar because I want to stand on the promise promises of God that says he's come to set me free. He's come seeking me. These are all good mission statements. And I love every one of them. They're right. They're beautiful. My heart, though, is drawn to another one. And this is one that we have heard preached over and over and over again. John 10 and 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus is saying in this text, I have come so you might experience the fullness of life. And this, hear me today, is exactly what the world is looking for. They just don't know where to find it. They just don't know that the fullness of life, that joy that's supposed to be in life, that abundant life is found in Jesus Christ. One of the things you're going to see happen over and over again in this life is that you are men and women that are driven by your appetites and by your belief that your actions will make you happy. That you do what you do because you think in doing them you're going to be satisfied. That you're going to find the good life. You're going to experience joy. And you're going to experience peace. In fact, even if you're in this room this morning, it is your desire. It is your desire for happiness and joy that brought you here. Even if you don't want to be here. It's your desire for happiness. It's your desire for pleasure. It's your desire for joy that brought you here. Even if you're like, I don't want anything to do with God, Bryce. To be completely honest with you, my neighbor just kept pestering me. And I just said, to get them off my back, I'm just going to go sit in church. But really, I have no interest in Jesus Christ. Even if that's your mindset, you are still here driven by your own search for happiness and for joy. It was your pursuit of pleasure that drove you into this room even if you don't want to be here. Everything you do is driven, hear me, by your instinctual desire for happiness and pleasure. You do nothing that is not driven by that. Even hurt yourself. One author put it this way one time. He said, all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire in both attended with different views. 
The will never takes the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man, even those who hang themselves. It's the pursuit of your own happiness, the pursuit of life, the pursuit of the good life. But here's the deal. Again, you and I are driven by pleasure. We are by nature people who believe that the pursuit of pleasure is the most important thing in life. It drives everything we do. It drives everywhere that we go. But here's the deal. Here is what you are going to find in the scriptures. And this is vital for us to center our lives around. What you see and what I see in the Bible is a celebration of Jesus Christ being better and more supreme than everything else that the world has to offer that's what you're going to find in scripture that Jesus is better it's a repetition of Jesus being ultimately the place where the most pleasure is found where the most joy is found that knowing Jesus and him knowing you is the space where the most life is possibly experienced can I hear an amen this morning this is the good life Jesus Christ and living for him and knowing him this is life and life more abundantly It's what the world is searching after. It's what your neighbor's searching after. It's what your lost children are searching after. They just don't know where to find it. They're driven by their pursuit of the good life. The pursuit of I got to be more happy. And the grass is greener on the other side. My friend, the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener in Jesus Christ. That's where life is. It's it's him. It's him. Psalms 4 and 7 says, Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. You ought to circle that scripture in your Bible. Psalms 4 and 7. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increase. What's going on here, Bryce? Here's what's happening. David is basically saying here, he says, let the wealthy have what they want. Let the world pursue what they want. And when they get all that they want, he's saying, God, you're still better. You're still better. He's saying, hey, I've watched their parties and I've experienced even some of what they've experienced. And here's what I can say. You're better than when grain and new wine abound. Anybody feel that way today? I've seen what the world has to offer, but God, you are better. Nothing can compare to what you have to give. Nothing can compare to the gladness that you put in my heart. Nothing brings fulfillment like you do. I like the way the old songwriter said it. It said, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. That's what I feel like. You can have what the world has to offer, but I want what Jesus has. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. One thing you got to understand about this scripture too is this that corn and wine are symbols 
of wealth in the ancient world. And that's what, that's why I was saying you ought to circle this scripture in your Bible. That's what makes this scripture so impactful. Is that he's like, God, you fill me with greater joy. God, what you have to offer is greater life. There's more joy to be had in you than there is to be had in that. And that should really unsettle us a bit here. Because how many hours a week and hours of thought and moments of our lives are wasted by saying that this is where life is. That this is where joy is that this is where joy can be found when David over here who might I add has had some experiences with life even maybe more than you and I have amen and David is over here saying you're better than when grain and new wine abound he's saying God you fill me with greater joy greater than any amount of wealth greater than anything the world could ever offer greater than anything the world could ever give me God you are greater you are better. You are awesome, God. And here we are, and we enjoy it, and we know, but we have people that we're surrounded by that are searching for life. They're in the pursuit of happiness. But my friend, I want to remind you, and I want to remind them, I don't want to take this Jesus for granted. I don't want to take my experience for granted. I want to know today that this is the day the Lord has made, and I want to be thankful to be a part of it. I'm thankful to know who he is. It's him. He is the good life. He is the only life. Here's another one, Psalm 1611. It says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, in your presence, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The Bible says not only is Jesus better than anything else, but then on top of that, now it's saying, really, the path of life is found within you. Hear me this morning. Real deep meaningful life is found in being connected with the author of life with the creator of life that's where real meaningful life is found he is the good life I love what Paul has to say in Philippians chapter 3 starting in verse number 7 he says but whatever gain I had. Do I know this scripture? But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Listen, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. 
here's what's just happened. And it's absolutely outrageous. He's saying, if my religious activity does not give me Jesus, he said, it is a waste. It is nothing. If in all of my coming to church, if in all of my singing in the choir, if in all of my praying and all of my testifying and all of my Bible reading and witnessing to people, if those things don't get me Jesus, I count them as rubbish. They are a waste. You see, church, the goal is not moral conformity. I believe that those things will come, but the goal is a not knowledge of Jesus. It's a relationship with Jesus that transforms us from the inside out. You see, we think it's about coming to church and singing some nice songs and standing and clapping and crying. No, 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 no. Those things play a part, but it's about getting more of Jesus. He is the goal. If you're searching for life, I'm telling you, the life is in the building today. You just need to remind yourself, he has a name. The life that you want, the life that I want is found only in Jesus Christ and it is not found anywhere else. If you don't know that and if you don't ever figure that out, you're going to find yourself on this journey constantly searching, constantly looking. Where is the answer? I'm telling you the answer is in this place today and he has a name and his name is Jesus Christ. Are you thankful to know him this morning? Come on, clap your hands. Give him a shout of praise. Lord, you are the good light. Church, it's about getting Jesus. He is the goal. He's what we sing about. He's what we preach about. You might think I get up here and every adult Bible study that I get to teach and preach up here is all about Jesus. And maybe I have the same message over and over again. That's fine with me because he is the message. He is the answer. He is what we need. He is what we must have. He's saying, if all I have is all this religious activity, he says, it's rubbish. It's, it's worth nothing. You saw him say the very first line, he said, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. He's saying here, infinite joy is made available to those who will find it in Jesus Christ. The deepest possible pleasure, the deepest possible joy that's available to us all here today is found in Jesus Christ. That's where it's found. He is better than life itself. The rhythm of the scriptures is the fullness of joy is found in Christ and Christ alone. Everything in the word of God points to him. Every promise, every scripture, every word, it all points to one man, Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus meant when he said, 
I have come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. What's the purpose for which he came? It's not condemnation. He said, I haven't come to bring condemnation. I've come to rescue you from condemnation. I've come to save, not to condemn. On top of that, I've come so you might have the fullness of life. Church, hear me today. You can't experience the fullness of life without the life. You just can't do it. He is the good life. As our music comes this morning, Colossians 3, our text this morning. He writes, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And I love this verse. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In the first five verses, we we see kind of our first step toward the good life. Here's the first step. Ever-increasing, eternal, legitimate life cannot be found outside, hear me, of a serious pursuit of a relationship with Jesus Christ. It cannot be found. Listen, I'm not I'm trying to help us today. Again, we're we're travelers, right? We're 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 journeymen. We're on a journey. I'm trying to help you out not to get because I what I see is I see a lot of weary travelers. I see a lot of weariness. And hear me, it's dangerous when we get a little tired behind the wheel. It's dangerous. There's a danger there. And I'm trying to help us. There's some things that we've got to be real serious about. I mean real serious. You will not find lasting joy, lasting peace outside of a serious pursuit of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Am I saying you can't experience pleasure? Absolutely not. That would be absurd of me. But what I'm telling you is you won't experience the good life that is possible for human beings outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Hear me today. We must seek Him. Real quick, how many of you in here today would say that you've had a season of your Christian life where you've walked through what we would call the desert? You've been through dry times, okay? Maybe here right now. I I never want to take away from the legitimacy of that. 
You see it in scripture all over the place that God in an act of love will lead his people through a dry season. Why? To get them on their knees and on their face back to the thing that they ultimately need to survive. Few things destroy idols like the desert. I said few things destroy idols like the desert, like dry seasons. But let's make sure that we're let's make sure that we're not in the desert by our own choosing. I, I believe the Lord will lead us there. My fear is many of us decide to run there. If you're complaining about being thirsty when there is water available to you, church, hear me today, that's not on God. That's on you. The prophet Jeremiah says it this way, 29 and 13 of Jeremiah, he said, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Church, God is not a cruel father. He's not up here playing hide and go seek with you and just not coming out. That's not what God does. God's not playing hide and seek from you. He says, seek the Lord and he may be found. I am utterly surprised and shocked by how many complain about being thirsty and complain about being dry and talk about growing weary and they do nothing to drink. There is fresh water that is available to you today and it is your opportunity to take a drink. You don't have to continue any longer in the dry season. If you don't eat, if you don't drink, there are things that physically happen to your body. You get so weak and you get so, you, you feel angry and, and all of a sudden you won't even act like yourself anymore when you're in that state of I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. And that's what I'm here to help us with. Listen, if you're not plugged into the source of life, it should not surprise you that you're not experiencing life. If you feel dry and aren't drinking, you're dehydrated, but you refuse to come to the well. Hear me today. Don't be surprised by how you feel and how you act. What happens to us is a lot of us have enough strength to run a while on our own strength but truly what that is is you're pushing a car uphill and you and I our strength is limited but there is one who has all strength who is mighty enough but we just got to learn who he is. We got to learn that he's there for us. But what do we do? We continue to push that car uphill and we go and we go and go and we get weary. And all of a sudden, our legs, because our strength is limited, but God's strength is unlimited. But in our own doing, all of a sudden, our strength gives up and we fall. And everything in life just kind of runs over us. 
I've met far too many people who punted on Christianity before they ever even tried it. I think the problem was they just didn't know how to start. And Paul is helping us here. Our first step should be a seriousness about seeking and finding the Lord, about knowing him, not just knowing about him, but knowing him. That's what Paul was saying. Seek those things which are above where Christ sits. stand with me this morning church I preached this a couple weeks ago and I can't get away from this thought we cannot get comfortable in this thing we can't, we can't afford to come to the house of God and, and treat it where we just punch in our time clock. We go and we worship and then we punch out and we go home and there's no effect on our lives. There's no seriousness about pursuing God and the things of God and being kingdom minded. We can't afford to be that way. I'm, I'm telling you, time is short. Time is short. And we've got to be seriousness about our own personal pursuit of Him. You want the good life? I'm telling you, the good night life is not found in boats and jet skis and a vacation home. It is found in Jesus Christ and nothing else. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Church, I'm here to tell you, the world and all its pleasures and all the stuff that they want to throw at us, you know what my Bible tells me? <laughs> Those things are going to burn away. Basically, the scripture says this, the world dies. That's what it says. But there is one that you can reach out and grab a hold of his hand right now. There is one. Why don't we do that? Why don't we lift up our hands, close our eyes, and just lift up our voices? Come on. He's in this place today. He is the author of life. He's the creator. He's the good life that we all search for and desperately need. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.